Indiana. <clears throat> By 1956, Queen Victoria initiated a new award, the highest and most prestigious award in uh, the British honours system. It was to be awarded the Victoria Cross. It was to be awarded for extreme bravery in the face of battle. And since those, uh, 1856, there has been 1,355 people received the awards including 21 New Zealanders, and there have been three people who have received it twice. Only one of those was on the battlefront. He was a North Canterbury farmer, and uh, many of you will know his name, Charles Upham. The first time he received as a result of what he did was on the island of Crete in 1941, and the citation for his award that time was that he performed a series of remarkable exploits showing outstanding leadership, tactical skill and utter indifference to danger. He demonstrated courage to repeatedly attack the enemy, killing many, driving others back. He carried wounded from the battlefield even though there was still live fire. He went in behind the uh, enemy army to extract some of the Allied forces. And he did all that, suffering from dysentery, shrapnel in his shoulder and a bullet in his foot. The second time he received the award was a year later in 1942. And this time he was in the deserts of Egypt. And again, using one of his favoured uh, weapons, the grenade, he managed to um, bomb a complete uh, truckload of German soldiers. He... Uh, destroyed a tank, various other uh, vehicles and armed positions of the enemy. And uh, in the heat of battle, he got a, uh, a bullet to the elbow, broke the bone. He went back to the first aid, got it wrapped up, which um, they did say a few years later, do you want to cut off? He said he declined. And he came back to the battlefield and led his army further, got further wounded and was taken capture. The first time he tried to escape was when he jumped off a moving truck, broke his ankle, but still managed to make it almost 400 metres. The fourth time he tried to escape was out the window of a moving train and they picked him up unconscious on the side of the uh, tracks. Heroic, courageous. I love stories of expeditions. And sometimes the backstories are as good as the uh, stories themselves. You know, the times when the, the sailors would set out and they didn't know whether they were going to fall off the edge of the sea. You know, the world was going to, the flatlanders. Or the people who go into space or climb Everest or into the Antarctic. But when we come to the book of John and verses 13 through 17, we come into the midst of the greatest expedition that has ever happened in this world. Because it's part of God's story. And the backstory to it is that God loves us. That's the backstory. Because it happens like this God created this world, the universe, everything in it. He created you and me for a relationship with Him. But from Adam and Eve, we've declined the offer, we've disregarded God, we've disobeyed God, we've left God out of our lives. And he has this great 
mission to win us back into relationship with himself. And so he comes to earth as a man, the God-man, Jesus Christ. And here on earth he demonstrates who he is. He demonstrates his message to everybody. And when we come to John 13, 17, he is preparing his disciples for the climax of the story. When he would go to the cross and die not for his sin but for our sin, he would be buried, that he would rise again and say, you too can have eternal life. He ascends back to heaven saying, I am going to prepare a place for you. Yeah? And then he commissions his disciples to take this message to the world. Ten of the eleven that heard that message would be martyred for their faith. So strong was their belief and the undergirding that this message is a message from God and this is a mission from God to bring the world, to bring you and I into relationship with the Heavenly Father. Last week, Jerem spoke about uncommon joy. And your path in life might not be easy, but when you invite Jesus Christ into your life, part of the character of God is joy. And so it's not surprising if we allow God's presence in our life and we allow him to come and, and bring change and control and, and take over our life, that his character would be demonstrated in what we do. And so we live joyful lives, no matter what our circumstances. But today we're going to look at uncommon courage, a motivation from the heart to do something brave. Nelson Mandela had this to say about courage. I learned that courage was not the absence of fear, but the triumph over it. I felt fear myself more times than I can remember, but I hid it behind a mask of boldness. The brave man is not he who does not feel afraid, but he who conquers that fear. So courage is not the lack of fear, it's the ability to face it and, and uh, we would hope, overcome it. And there are many motivations for, for courage. The bank driver might need motivation of courage. He, he's motiv rather, he might need courage to rob a bank. He's motivated by greed. The nurse who volunteers to go to Africa during the Ebola or to the Five South during covid Boldness, yeah? Courage, coming out of a motivation of compassion. The mum that sends their five-year-old off to school for the first time might need a dose of courage, motivated by love. And it's quite possible that some of you this morning were courageous to get out of bed and to be here this morning because of the depression that you suffer that maybe has you bound. But you just knew that coming to church was a good thing to do. Because in church we raise ourselves above ourselves and our circumstances. We acknowledge God again and we seek his help to get through today and this week. So well done you. Some of us don't feel very courageous at times. I don't jump out of aeroplanes or off bridges. And despite the best efforts of the Wright brothers and 117 years of uh, progress 
I'm not too good in small aluminium tin cans when they're flying through the air. Not very courageous. When I think about courage, I imagine you're like me. It's the domain of, of the brave, the hallmark of heroes. But this morning, I want us to talk about uncommon courage for the ordinary person. You know, the garden variety people like you and me. And to tackle the subject, I'm going to go into an Old Testament, an old story, an old time story from the Old Testament, and now time realities from John 13 through 17. We're going to bounce between the two. The Old Time story is a take-home passage in the Bible, and I chose it, Joshua chapter 1 through 6 through 9, because you can look it up at home, and as you read it through, you'll be able to pick the points that we're making this morning as I call it a take-home passage, something you can go back and look at yourself. And here, God is repeating to Joshua a message that he has already received in Deuteronomy 31. And Moses said to Joshua, before he would take over the leadership of the people of Israel, Joshua, be strong and courageous. And then God steps in and uh, speaks to Joshua and he says, Be strong and courageous. And when we come to Joshua chapter 1, verses 6 through 9, three times, be strong and courageous. Be strong and very courageous. Be strong and courageous. And I suspect by this point, Joshua is getting the point. Not only is he going to need to be strong and courageous because these are rebellious people he's leading, But he will need an overdose of courage because fear and discouragement will never be far away from what he does. Do you feel like that sometimes? When you're facing up to something, we too need a dose of courage. I want to give three motivations for for uncommon courage this morning. And the first is God gives to us his promises. Joshua 1, in the old time story, verse 6, Be strong and courageous, for you are the one I will lead, who will lead these people to possess the land. I swore to their ancestors I would give them. So in here is a promise from God that you are going to lead these people into the land that I will give them. When you're facing up to something difficult, It's really helpful if you know the end of the story. I want you to imagine this morning that you're going for a job interview and you're going for the job of your uh, dreams. You would love to get this job. Can you picture it? And so you come into the vestibule where, you know, there's probably secretaries and and you're going to be having the interview with the head of uh, human resources and he's back there in the big office somewhere. And as you're waiting for the interview, the CEO comes along. And you recognize him. You've worked with him before. You've got on great with him in a former employment. You respect him. He respects you. And you just always got on so well. And you get to talk. And just before you go into the interview, the CEO says, I want you to answer as well as you can but you've got the job. Knowing the end of the story 
makes a huge difference to how you live now. Yeah? Do you get it? And so we go to the now time lessons in John 13 to 17. John 14, 33. I've told you all this, that you may have peace in me. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart, because I have overcome the world. This world at the moment we live in is plagued by sin, by the rule of Satan, but understanding this, over it all is the authority of God, and nothing is happening outside of his will for it. Second, in John 14, 1 through 3, do not let your hearts be troubled. In my Father's house are many dwelling places, for I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. The end of the story for you and I is, one, God is in control of all of history. It's his story. And two, the end of the story for the believer is eternal life with him in heaven. That's the end of the story. Yeah? That's the end we're aiming at. That's what's going to happen. And because of it, you and I can live this life in the here and now, heads up, shoulders back, embracing life. Yeah? That's courage. That's bravery. You might be facing difficult times. Head up, shoulders back, embracing it. Because the end is under God's control. Yeah? That's his promise to you. Second, the second motivation for courage is that God gives us principles to live by. See, not only does God control the outcome of our lives with promises of the future, he gives us the manual to live successfully in the here and now, the here till the end. Joshua 1, 7 and 8. Be strong and courageous. Be careful to obey the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left. Then you will be successful in everything you do. Study this book of instructions continually. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all that you do. Now God had prepared Joshua for his time in history and leading the people of Israel. Back in Numbers 13, Moses is still the leader. They've come out of Egypt. They've walked across the desert. They're on the edge of the land of Canaan and God instructs Moses to send a leader from each of the 12 tribes into the land and bring back a report. Ten bring back a report that discouraged the people and filled them with fear. Joshua and Caleb come back with a report that, yes, there are many people in the land. There are giants amongst them. They have great cities and they're walled. But the land is productive. There is a great harvest to be had there. And God set its house. And the people listened to the ten and rejected the wisdom of the two. And they spent 38 years wandering in the desert because of their rejection of the clear 
word of God. And Joshua lived through it all. And he saw the consequences of rebelling against the word of God. And he said, not for me. I'm going to, when God speaks, I will listen and I will obey. And so we come to Psalm 1. Psalm 1, blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. When it says that, it's not talking about real evil people that go to prison, you know, not, not real evil people. He's talking about people that are not living according to the word of God. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the council. They're not getting their instruction for living from those who are rejecting God. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that bears its fruit in season. Whatever he does prospers. Not so the wicked. They're like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore the Lord Therefore, the, the wicked will not stand in the judgment or sit in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord looks after the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Do you get it? Reading, digesting, obeying the word of God is the hallmark of follower of Jesus and in the now time message of John 13 through 17, it says, John 14, 15, If you obey, love me, obey my commandment. John 14, 21, Those who accept my commands and obey them are the ones who love me. John 14, 23, 4, Jesus replied, All who love me will do what I say. My Father will love them and we will come and make our home with each of them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey me. John 15.10, when you obey my commands, you remain in my love. Do you get it? The followers of Jesus, those who truly love him, are making a priority of the word of God in their lives. They read it, they digest it, they obey it, they live it, and as a result, experience the benefits of walking with God. Do you understand that? We are blessed people when we obey the word of God. It's the instruction book. It's the manufacturer's instructions. Yeah? It's how we live best. It's very different from what the world is doing. They've rejected it. And sadly, our world is experiencing the consequence of that rejection. The third motivation for courage is that God gives us his presence. In the old time story, Joshua 1.9, it says, This is my command, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. The now time lesson, John 16.7, But I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I am leaving. For if I did not leave, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. John 14, 26. But when the Father sends the Advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told you. And in John 14, 16 through 18. 
And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate. He will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who will lead you into all the truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. No, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. Now talk about assisted living. God not only guarantees the end of the story, he gives us a game plan for living between now and the end, and he comes to live in us. His presence leading us in truth, comforting us in our troubles, producing his character in us. Christian, you're not alone. God is in you, and God is for you, and God is with you, and God is empowering you to face the challenges of your life. Joshua, be strong and courageous. And as the disciples stood on the brink of this almighty expedition that will roll down through history and embrace and sweep you and I into the kingdom of God, that's not the end of the story for us either. God gives us a message of hope, of eternal life. We too can be strong and courageous. Uncommon courage comes God-assisted by his promises, his principles to live by, and his presence in our life. God doesn't usually take away the challenges from us. Just because we pray, they often don't just disappear. The situations where we might feel timid or afraid. But know this, God's promises are yes and amen. Your life and your future are God guaranteed. We know the end of the story. He gives us his word as a lamp to our feet and a light to our paths. His presence is with us continuously. But there are challenges that we face. And he calls us to depend upon him. God assisted as we face the challenges of our life and know uncommon courage. Maybe, and I don't know the situations you face, is it the job interview? Is it sitting exams? Is it parenting your children? Is it seeking employment? Is it a sickness you're facing and currently have? Is it standing firm for your Christian values amongst your family or colleagues at work that don't believe your message? As Christians, our standards are out of fashion, out of step with a liberal society, but God is, God's blessing is upon those who uphold his word and obey him. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. For some of you, maybe this morning, the courage you need is to accept the love of God. To understand that God loves you. That to this point you've been rejecting him, pretending he's not there so you can get on your life without him, while all the time knowing that God exists. 
rejecting him. Maybe you know what's right and you're rebelling against him to live your own life. This morning I want to give you an opportunity to come to faith in Jesus Christ. To come back to the God who created you, who desires a relationship with you. Don't put him off any further. Don't hold him at arm's length. Invite him to come into your life this morning. I want to pray. And you, let's pray together. For you, if this is your wish this morning, that you might come into a relationship with God through Jesus Christ who died for you, pray this prayer in your heart. God of heaven and earth, thank you that you love me and that you sent Jesus Christ to die for me. Forgive me for rebelling against you. Forgive me for rejecting you out of my life. And so now I invite you to come into my life, to be my Lord, to be my Savior, to be the guide who teaches me how to live for you. Help me now as I seek to live for you. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. The most important prayer you'll ever ask. Do you ever pray of coming to know Jesus Christ for yourself? For some of you, my heart's heavy today. There are things you're facing which are kind of big and beyond you. Or small and maybe even insignificant, but they're sort of messing with your head. And maybe if that's you this morning, I, I want to pray for you as a body of people. After the service, I invite you to come forward and to pray with those who can more specifically pray into your life. Remember a few years ago, I was a bit stuck in a down place, discouraged, um, and I met with one of our church people. And the person prayed for me. And all the difference it made. I was able to face life again with renewed confidence, didn't take away the circumstance, but I just felt that God's with me and God loves me and I can get on with it now. If this morning you want me just to pray for you, just pop your hand up here in front of others. If the situations you just want me to pray for you, just pop, yeah, thank you. Others, yeah, yeah, thank you, yeah. These people want us to pray. Let's pray for these people. Father God, you know the things going on in these people's lives and maybe they're stuck and maybe they're just crying out now for your help, your help and the difficulty of their circumstance. Give them a refreshed understanding of your love for them. Give them an understanding again that you Hold the power and authority over this world. You have the end in control and you are guiding their lives today. Father, give them an overwhelming sense of your presence in their lives that allows them to go from this place to face the challenges of their life with confidence, with boldness, with uncommon courage. Lord, work in the lives of these people that have declared their desire for you today. Bless them, honour them, lift them, carry them 
help than we ask. In Jesus' name, amen.